Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where it's almost day one. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. I, I don't want day one to get here yet. <laughs> and today we are talking about some day one technology adoption. And if you can't guess why, it's because the Switch is out like the day after this episode hits your feed. So you might actually be playing the Nintendo Switch while you're listening to this episode, which makes me jealous because I'm still in the past at the moment. Yeah, for real. And I'm I'm going to be sitting there like as you're listening to this, you know, I'm crying because I don't have one. And like, I'm gonna be like, Oh, guys, you should so share one with me. I don't have a switch. But nobody has a switch right now. So we're all like that. Nobody has a switch as of when we're recording except journalists, but whatever. Um, So well, they don't count. I, I wouldn't say that, but yeah, <laughs> we kidding. wanted to talk a little bit about just like day one technology adoption. And I have a switch on the way. So next week, unless something crazy happens with my shipment, next week is going to be all about the switch and my initial impressions. And we'll talk about whatever related to that. But this week, um, we're just taking like one step back from that and just talking what we've done in the past for like day one technology, what we've skipped, what we've waited for, all that kind of thing. So like when you choose to adopt on day one versus not and mostly kind of this related to video game consoles but a little bit of other stuff too and i actually pick up tech a lot more that's not video game consoles on day one than i do actual consoles because for me consoles are kind of day one month one ish for a lot of them and then with some tech like with a new version of an iphone or something along those lines i'm like yeah i'm gonna grab this on day one because i don't want to lose any time where i would have been able to use it like productivity stuff i love day one actually more than i do video game consoles because most launch titles don't really do a lot for me and i tend to be more the opposite uh, i mean things have changed over time but i i don't feel like any inclination to go out and get the latest iphone or the latest Mac computer or whatever, you know, when it comes out. I know some people wait in line. Some people need it yep. that very first day. I am happy to wait and let people try it in the real world and, like, work out the bugs and work out the kinks. But when it comes to video games, I'm much more in the other camp. I, I want to have something day one to play the games. And I've talked about this before, but just to be part of the conversation. Like, right. I love the conversation of where gaming is at any given moment and the current games that are in, you know, the greater consciousness and, like, all of that kind of stuff. I thrive on that. So that's probably why. Because, like, my phone is fine. I love my phone. It's great. Like, I don't need to go change it right now. I'll wait until it gets slow or it breaks or I run out of space or something, you know? Yep. That's what my wife does. And then, like, when you said the new laptops, new MacBooks and stuff like that, it's like, that's what I did with the new MacBook. When they updated it this year, I was sitting online waiting on the Apple Store to open up so I could pre-order the new MacBook. Pro 15 when they updated it and uh, got one of the first ship shipments. I think I was in the second wave of shipments, the dude told me. And it's like that that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, yes, I want this. This is going to make my life, like, quality of life better for work. And the video games, I'm like, I've got some video games. i got a good enough PC. And so I can play games on it for a while unless there's a game I'm going nuts for, like Zelda. Like, I'm seeing things about Breath of the Wild that make me really, really sad that I'm not getting one on day one. Yeah, I know. I've noticed that in the last week, your texts about Zelda have gotten progressively more sad as time has gone yeah, on. It is. And, you know, when we first started talking about it, when it was the NX, it was like, yeah, this is going to be an awesome thing for me to save up my money and get. And then my wife put a very, you know, realistic spin on things like you quit your job 
what saving up money from where? And it's like, that's a very good point. We have to have food in a house. So as uh, you know, the full-time employment has, has kind of drifted down and I've been doing more of the, just picking up contracts, the switch has actually not been a monetary possibility, but uh, with a prospect of a new staff position somewhere that I can't say anything about, but I'm super excited and I may know more about it by the time you guys are listening to this. If it comes through, I'm going to be able to buy a switch. So cross your fingers, you guys yeah whereas like for me i got unexpected christmas money in an amount that i wasn't expecting so that was like okay that is for the switch right there and then right after that i got a full-time job so it's like i'm kind of in the opposite situation where i'm like oh yeah (laughs) yeah i can actually it's weird i can actually plan ahead my finances again i haven't been able to do that for three and a half years because freelancing you never know when your invoices are going to come through and when projects are going to land and how long it takes for people to pay and now i can actually have like paydays amaze me guys you get paid the same amount every two weeks that's crazy like it's it's just insane and i am not at all used to it yet yeah i'm excited because at least I know because of the, my primary client right now is actually where my wife works. I'm being contracted out there. And so I turn in my invoice once a month, about three days before, at the end of uh, basically every two, every other one of their pay periods. So I know that I'm getting a paycheck every month from that and because they're very on top of it with their accounting. So it's like I know that as of this recording, I'm getting paid in three days. So that's really, really nice. And like, the last 10 years i've been on a monthly pay schedule with my job so this is not a change just a just a numbers change rather than a an actual uh logistics and budgeting change like when it's coming in so it's nice yeah it's really nice to find clients like that um okay but let's get into like what we've actually picked up on day one so for you you said it was a lot for a long time right and then the more I thought about it, it wasn't actually day one. It was mostly like month one-ish for a okay. lot of it. Because like the 360 I got, it came out. My friends had it for about a month or so. And then I grabbed it because they were completely sold out. So as soon as I found one in stock, I bought it. The same thing happened with the Wii. Um, and I would have been day one on the PS2, but I had been saving up my money for a PlayStation 2. And it came out at when during my senior year of high school and you know that was in 2000 it was in 2000 i think or 2001 i honestly don't remember that was the year i was in high school though uh, or senior in high school and i was dating a girl from wyoming and i lived in tennessee and you know 15 years ago god that was longer than that uh 16 17 years ago it was not okay to date people from the internet so i had saved all this money for a playstation 2 and i flew my girlfriend out from wyoming to tennessee to go to my senior prom and i had to make the decision on whether it would be her or the playstation 2 and so i chose to spend that money on her Aww. I eventually got a PlayStation 2, and looking back, I probably could have, you know, I don't know. I actually had a really good time. Glad she came out. I can't even say that. It's like looking back, I made the right choice. But that would have been day one, and the Dreamcast was day one, and that was by far the best day one console I've ever gotten. That and the Game Boy Advance SP. Nice. Yeah, for me, um, I, I was thinking about it, and really, it was like when I was in high school, but I was making money. So, right. It's in that time of your life where you don't have like 
any expenses whatsoever. So yeah. all of the money you make is just disposable income. And that's really what lined up with like all my day one purchases that I can remember. Because before that, it was like I would get stuff at like Christmas or for yes. birthdays or whatever from my parents. And then when I got to that age, it was so it was like GameCube, um, Game Boy Advance, PS2. I'm pretty sure that I got a PlayStation Portable on day one. Um, I think I got the Xbox 360 on day one also. And all of those were like from that, you know, high school into college, like before all of my college debt started mounting. And then I went, oh, wait, I should actually put this money towards that. Um, but the yeah. first couple of years of college where it was just like all of my money that I was making was just disposable income. So I could dump it yeah. into whatever. And then. After that, once I got far enough into college where I realized, hey, I should throw this money towards college and debt. And then you get out into the working world and suddenly you have student loans to pay and you have to pay for an apartment and, you know, yep. be an adult. And that's where I stopped doing day one for a while until like last year when I picked up the Vive. That was my first real day one purchase since I've become an adult. So it took I mean, it didn't even happen in my 20s i think i was just turned 30 right around the time i got the vibe something like that um but it yeah. was around that same time yeah yeah thinking back it's just like you know money is fine in high school and then the start of college and then like 20s money is tight man uh-huh yeah, yeah 20s was the same time for me when all that was going on after that it was like man nope i'm freezing packs of baloney i'm not gonna be able to buy a playstation it's it's just not in the cards how did you know you said as an adult the first one was the vive and you know you were super excited how do you feel about it right now are you glad you picked it up on day one or do you wish you had waited um i don't know i have mixed feelings about that one in particular just because like the experience is amazing but I still right. can't figure out a way to fit it into my life consistently. So like, yeah. I just, I don't get the system out a lot, but it's like VR is real and it's here and it's what we always dreamed it would be. And I can't diminish that either. So I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Yeah. I was just curious, just thinking about that because it's some of the day one stuff. It's super easy to, to be super excited for a while and then let it kind of fall off in the excitement and never touch it anymore. And then some of it's like, nope, I was so glad I picked that up on day one. I'm still using it. This is a, this is my daily driver. I use this every single day. And I yeah. think that's kind of why I like the productivity tech more than video game tech is because my life right now, and especially in my twenties, it's been like, I have more time to use the new shinies than I do the video games. And uh, since I'm a PC gamer, a lot of my tech has been like brand new graphics cards or something along those lines. So I would pick up, I would pick up graphics cards on day one as soon as I could find them and have them released. So, I mean, that's kind of like a video game console, but for so long I've been a PC gamer. Uh, predominantly, it's hard for me to actually remember that that's video game stuff too. Yeah, and I think the product, like productivity tech that you're talking about, I rely on it so much to get things done that I don't want it to break. So I don't want to be their first wave of people because mm. essentially you are a glorified beta tester. And Yeah, in a lot of ways. I don't mind that when it's a video game system because if something's broken or something goes wrong with it or there's a firmware issue, like, okay, I'm mildly frustrated that I can't have as much fun as if it were working, but it doesn't actually put a stop to anything in my life. Whereas if I went and I transferred my phone on day one to a new phone and then that phone doesn't work or it has an issue or it breaks or gets hacked or some kind of exploit happens, like that's my life and my livelihood. And I don't want to risk that. That's true. 
I can see that. And it's probably going to be a lot more like that for me coming in, you know, doing the freelance thing since I am doing remote work because it's never been what I 100% rely on. Yeah. And I rely on my tech like every day, like my laptop and my phone, like all of that contributes to my job and what I do for work and so many different things. So yeah, I, I just need it to be reliable. But I mean, I guess I feel it's interesting because like talking about the Vive and then the Switch is going to be the second purchase that I pick up on day one, like as an adult with my, you know, adult money and adult responsibilities. But really, I feel a lot better about the systems that I waited on a little bit. So I, I wanted to talk about like, what did we wait on and how it turned out? And I felt like all of the things in recent memory that I waited for turned out really, really well. So like yeah. the, the 3DS, I waited until they had their second hardware revision and I got a 3DS XL and I love it. I still use it all the time. Um, I'm sure the Switch is probably going to phase that out, but like I've right. consistently used that and I love that system and I'm so glad I waited and I didn't get the first one, you know? Yeah, and then like and- I grabbed PS4 on a Black Friday deal. So I got a bundle oh, and, yeah. you know, it was discounted and all that. I, I don't remember if it was in the first year or the second year that the PS4 was out, but I definitely waited for Black Friday, and I got my money's worth out of that thing. The Vita, I picked that up when it had the second hardware revision, and I got that one as a bundle. So I have, like, I, I don't even, I haven't touched the original Vita a whole lot of times, but the one I have is the most recent model, and it's, like, super light, and the battery life is crazy on it. Like, I love the Vita that I have. And then... The Wii U, I didn't pick that up on day one either. I waited until the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker Special Edition came out. So the gamepad I have is actually a special Zelda one. That's really cool. That's really cool. I didn't know you'd waited that long on the Wii U. Yeah. Yeah. There was no like compelling thing to get me to buy any of those systems on day one. Whereas with the Switch, I can see it fitting into my life immediately. And I just I want to get it and I want to play it. And like handheld gaming works so well for me with my kids you know i can pick it up and do stuff when they're on the tv or if i'm playing a game and i don't want them watching it like i can just take it over the couch all that kind of stuff and you know yours actually lines up really well with mine on what i ended up waiting on because i didn't get the 3ds at first either because i thought that it was you know i did i liked the ds well enough i played my games on it like everybody else but i liked the game boy advance better so when they came out with the 3ds i didn't like the 3d effect that they had on it it was there weren't any games that just really stood out to be just fantastic at launch and so i waited until the 2ds came out and i didn't even get it for me i bought it for my wife for her 30th birthday when she wanted the 2ds to play scribble knots and some lego games on and i've ended up playing a lot of it but you know it's hers anyway but i'm so glad that we waited until the 2ds came out because it is exactly what we need even when i picked up the new 3ds a few months back the 3d was lackluster i didn't particularly like even you know it was better on the new 3ds than it is on the old one but even still it didn't add anything to it for me so i ended up selling it and getting the vita which i'm awesome with you know i'm so glad not awesome with but i'm so glad that i bought this vita because it's great and i knew people who bought it on day one And I played the Vita on the day one. One of my students brought it into the resource center I was working in. And it was cool, but again, there weren't any games on it that were fantastic. The the augmented reality stuff that it was doing was neat. And then I got bored of it by that afternoon. And when he brought it in again a few months later, it was just like, yeah, that's there's that thing. And then talking to you, 
I realized where the value was in it. And that's where I've been playing it. And I'm still waiting on Cosmic Star Heroine to be able to play on the Vita. I'm super excited for that still. And I haven't heard anything about it in so long. So hopefully that'll come out soon because I really want to play it on the Vita. It should be out soon. I was actually a Kickstarter backer for that. So I get all their updates. It's in yeah. like it's in the final push. It'll be out soon. Is it? Yeah. Awesome. That makes me really, really, really happy because I've been meaning to ask them on Twitter because they're really responsive and just haven't. Um, but that's one of the reasons I'm holding on to the Vita right now is to play it because I may sell the Vita after that and end up uh, putting it toward a switch eventually, depending on how money works out. But I also waited on the PS3. Did I ever tell you the only reason I have a PlayStation 3? No. Well, I didn't have one for a long time. I wanted it, but I couldn't justify it because I had an Xbox 360. And I was playing all of the games on it that I wanted. I had Dragon Age, Mass Effects, all of this stuff. And I still played mostly PC games. And then my, and, But we used the Xbox 360 as our media center. Like It was our DVD player. Everything was great. We didn't have an HDTV. We didn't need a Blu-ray player or anything at all. And then my Xbox Red Ringed. And this was like six or seven years after I bought it. Never had a problem with it. And it was a first generation, like first month of production Xbox 360. No problems out of. Got hours and hours and hours of daily use through college and after marriage and all this. And so it finally died. Had a friend fix the red ring. And then it would last about 15 minutes. And then it would die in red ring again. And then I could get about 15, 20 minutes again. And it would die in red ring again. I could just had to keep restarting it. So I threw it on eBay with like the 10 or 15 games that I had. And I sold it for the exact amount that I needed to buy a PlayStation 3. We decided to get it because we knew we were going to get a, a Blu-ray player soon. Or uh, uh, we were going to get an HDTV soon. And so we just went ahead and bought the PS3 to use as a media center and gaming platform and basically just traded a broken Xbox 360 for a brand new in-the-box PS3. And I even told the guys on whoever it was I sold it to on eBay, I was like, this is what it does. I had it fixed, but it turns off. And they still paid that much for it. And so I was like, awesome, give me my PS3. And I'm super happy with it. Nice. Yeah, for me, the PS3, I actually didn't pick that up until it was like basically dead. But because mm -hmm. like so many games came out just like this generation, so many games came out on the 360 and the PS3 and I always had a 360. So right. I played them all on there. And then when the systems were like super cheap, because it, I mean, the system's been basically dead for a couple of years since the PS4 came out. Like yeah. I got my PS3 after my PS4 and I got it for super cheap. I got it on a Black Friday deal. I went and I picked up all the exclusives that I wanted to try from over the years, played them all in about six months, and then I've just used it as a media player upstairs. And yeah. then eventually when I upgraded our downstairs Roku, I moved that old Roku upstairs and then I put the PS3 in the closet. So that is probably my least used system was the PS3, which is kind of funny. But That is kind of funny. Okay, I do have <laughs> an Xbox story since you mentioned Red Rings, and I don't think I've told okay. this one before on air anyway. Do you know that I, know I had five different Xbox 360s? No, I don't think you've told me about this. Okay, so I picked up the 360 on like basically day one, right around day one, and it red ringed out of the box. So oh, I no. took it back the next day and returned it and said, give me a new one. And luckily they had them. So yeah. I got a new one, just, you know, hand over the old one. They gave me a new one that I made them test and show me that it turned on right there without red yeah. ringing. 
And then I did something that I never do with gaming hardware. I bought an extended warranty on it because I figured <laughs> if day one yeah. I'm having red ring issues, this system might not be stable. And this is what I was talking about with like, you're basically a beta tester if you're getting stuff yes. on day one, right? So I did that. And then my system lasted about a year and a half. And I had like a two okay. or three year warranty on it and it died. And then by the time I took it back, they had like Black Friday deals or something going on. So I exchange it. You like the way the warranty worked. I think it was at Best Buy. You turn it back in and they give you store credit for the price of the item. And then you use that store credit to buy a similar item. And the price had fallen. So I got a new one, but they let me keep my controllers and stuff. So (laughs) I got the new one and I put an extended warranty on that with the money that I had left over from that like gift card they gave me. And I did that a bunch of times. I had five different Xboxes that way. I never paid for anything beyond day one. I just kept returning it every time it broke and got a red ring and I got a new one. Wow. I mean, that has to be annoying. But at the same time, you kept getting the upgraded hardware because they kept putting out new versions of that system. And every time they would let me keep my controllers and almost every time there would be a new bundle. So I would get a couple free games out of it. Yeah. So that's, you know, that the extra warranty really did pay for itself on that one. Yeah, they rarely do, but for the Xbox 360 at that time, apparently it was the right way to go. Yeah, it was. That's awesome. That makes me happy for you. Just looking back, it's like, awesome. Good job, dude. Cool. So I want to talk about, like, what do you or how do you decide, like, what to pick up on day one? Did you have any thoughts about it? Like, when you make the decision one way or another? Honestly, the reason I didn't put any in the notes tonight on there is because it pretty much lined up with what you what you put in okay i don't really have yeah i don't really have any specifics that do it it's like a gut feeling kind of like you you had ended up putting on there it's just like it gut feeling and money because a lot of if it's a brand new first generation something i'm gonna wait on the second generation there is very rarely something these days that i'm gonna be like hey this is an entirely new kind of product give it to me because the second generation is generally always going to be better. Kind of like I said about the Vive, like when they make it, you know, what it's going to be and realize where it's going to be, I'm sure I'll grab one. Same for like uh, the iPhone. I ended up getting the first generation iPhone when it was new, but it was because my I had to switch providers and I had a Palm Trio. And uh, if you've never ever had a garbage phone then you understand what the palm trio is and so the first generation iphone was awesome (laughs) compared to that and just stuff like that it's like sometimes i but most of the times just like looking at it and being like do i really need this is this going to be worth the money and in the time investment that you know would i spend a lot of time with this yeah and like you were saying about hardware revisions like if you don't really feel compelled to get it on day one like you're not going to use it right away you're not super excited for it a lot of the time you are better off waiting for that second hardware revision like i mean yeah the game boy the ds the 3ds all of those had a better second version that came out not too long after and even now with consoles like the ps4 now we have the ps4 slim and we have the ps4 pro and with the xbox one you know we have the scorpio whatever they're going to end up calling that when it comes out later this year but that's coming so it's like if you didn't buy them on day one usually that second version is better but i mean you know if there's Mm -hmm. games you want to play if you're passionate about it if you're super excited like i am for the switch sometimes it makes sense but yeah like yeah it really does i wrote down in here it's it's mostly like a gut feeling and then also 
it it does come down to money but I was thinking about it more and more and like gaming is my main hobby if I plan ahead I can get money for a system you know I can save it up and have it there right. in time like systems don't suddenly appear overnight we have huge warnings before they come up you know <laughs> yeah. months and months we know when the release date's going to be and like I'm not I've never been someone who goes out and has like a huge nightlife you know especially now with kids but even when i was in college like yeah i didn't go to bars and spend like ungodly amounts of money on drinks and i have friends that do people who are my age that they spend more money at bars in a week than i do on video games in a week right like that's their main hobby Which- this is my main hobby and i'm spending less money so like i guess i find ways to justify it but i also think that it's kind of I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm the same way. Like, I see stuff like that I do is like, this is the stuff that I'm going to spend my money on. That I'm like that with running shoes. It's like, this is where I put my money. I'm going to spend $150 on a pair of shoes every four to six months. Every, sometimes every two to three, depending on how much I'm running. And that's what I spend my money on, though. When I have extra money, when I do this, that is because that's my hobby. That is my focus and where I'm putting it. It's the same thing with games and systems or any other kind of tech. If that is what is the most important thing to you for you to do with your disposable income, there is not a thing wrong with that. Because and I I have a hard time thinking about people who spend more money in bars than you do on video games because it's uh, that's so not part of the culture here where I am that uh, that going out like that is not so much of a thing here. And I know it is in lots of other parts of the country, but I, you're absolutely right. You just you pick what you're going to spend your money on your disposable income on. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who, you know, they were kind of into the bar culture in college and they just never stopped. And, you know, a lot of other people have kind of like eased off over time and they go out less and less, but they still go out. And I just I spend zero money in bars. You know, I spend zero money on expensive alcohol that's overpriced Mm -hmm. in places that I don't even want to be in the first place. So exactly. I save so much money by not doing that kind of junk that, yeah, it's no big deal for me to like save up and get the system that I want that I'm going to have a ton of fun with. So that's part of the consideration. But I guess like I think through other things, too. I think like, am I going to use it right away? You know, am I buying this on a promise that later it will be awesome or am I actually buying it to play something right away? So like for the Switch. I'm I'm gonna play Zelda on day one, and then I'm gonna play. I'm gonna pick up some multiplayer games. I don't know exactly what yet. Maybe Bomberman. Maybe I don't know. But I'm gonna play some multiplayer games with my kids. Like I have a couple things that I'm gonna play right out of the gate, and then there are things in spring and summer that I'm definitely picking up. And then there's another handful of games that I know I will pick up by year end. So it's like okay, there's a big check mark for me. And then. Yeah. Uh, like we kind of mentioned before, do I see it becoming a positive and consistent part of my life? Like, you know, do I think I'm going to keep using it or is the novelty going to wear off? So one in this circumstance where I I got excited for a little bit and then I realized it was hype and it wouldn't actually fit my life is the Apple Watch. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I still, I like the idea of an Apple Watch, but I don't like watches and I would rather just pull out my phone to do stuff. So I know if I got one, I would think it was really cool for a week, maybe two, and then it would just become a thing on my wrist that's kind of annoying. That's kind of what happened to me with the Pebble smartwatch. I ended up getting it thinking it was going to be fantastic and awesome having these notifications on my wrist. I could use it as a GPS watch as well. Everything was going to be so good. I could reply to stuff from my wrist, and I hated it. 
it became so stressful to have the notifications just coming to my wrist all the time instead of being able to pull out my phone whenever I needed to. It put an extra level of distress and urgency on whatever was coming through on my phone that it stressed me out so badly that I just stopped using it for anything except for a GPS watch. I paired it with my phone when and RunKeeper when I was going out to exercise and just used it exclusively as that. And that's pretty much what I want the Apple Watch for as well, is to do the same thing uh, and use it as a watch. But I don't, I don't actually know if I want one enough to spend that money because it would just be a glorified GPS watch for me. And there are better ones for running out there. Yeah. And like, I mean, even for running, like I'm using my phone to listen to podcasts and audiobooks yeah. and stuff like it's going to be in my pocket. Like I don't need a dedicated device for that. The only thing that you really get from a watch for exercise that I'm not getting from a phone is heart tracking. And I keep feeling like eventually someone's going to put out a fitness band that is just purely a heart tracker and I will pick it up. Like, I, I don't I don't want one that I have to wear all day, every day. Like, you know, there's Fitbit and there's there's a bunch of other ones out there and they're cool if you're into that. But I don't want something tracking me every second of the day. I want something I can slap on and be like a heart rate monitor just when I'm running. And I mean, that's kind of what my GPS watch is now. Actually, it is a GPS watch and it's got a heart rate monitor under it. Like, that's what it is. So it's really, really helpful for me. And I liked the Pebble doing that because I'm the kind of person who doesn't like audio announcements for distance that I want to keep up with my current pace as I'm going to adjust. So I like the uh, constant feedback of for the exercise. But I absolutely despise it when I get texts on my wrist. So it's something that I'm glad that I was a, a late adopter on, uh, on something like that, because it's like I had the first kind of smartwatch and learned, nope, I don't need to spend money on an even more expensive version because I hated the the actual functionality of it, the core functionality. Yeah. And, you know, there might be something longer term that changes with smartwatches that convinces me. But like in the foreseeable future, it's going to be something that I look at every time I wander into an Apple store or I'm browsing yep. and I go, yeah, that would be cool for a little bit. And I I just can't justify it. Like, I'm not going to get enough out of it. So it's like I pretty much know what would make a smartwatch make it make me actually buy one is the only way that I would really do it is if it totally replaced my phone in every way. That if there was something where I didn't have to carry the phone and it was fully functional, then I would and be able to do everything I do on the phone. I'd be cool with that. But the screen being so small, all that, you wouldn't be able to use it as a media reader. But really completely independent of everything else is the only thing that I can see making myself do it. Yeah. Yeah, I would hate that. I love my the big screen on my phone. And I don't know, maybe next time I upgrade, I'll go to like a plus size and get a giant one. I don't know. It's don't know. so nice right now. I got to say, I didn't I thought I'd hate it. But man. So nice. So cool. good. I mean, I, so I guess the main thing is like, it's kind of a gut feeling when you decide to pick up something on day one. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is just like, at some point, you just have to pull the trigger if you're excited enough about something, you know, yep. you know, it's for you. And like other people will disparage anything you decide to pick up. You can go on Twitter, you can go on the internet, you can go on Reddit, you can find someone who tells you you're an idiot for picking up something anytime you pick it up. Yes. But it's, it's all about like how you feel about it. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm psyched for the Switch. So I did want to talk a little bit about the Switch because we're still kind of speculating and we're kind of in this excitement mode and it's not out yet, even though it might be out by the time you guys listen to this. I hope so. So this, like I said, this episode, it will hit the feed if all goes as planned, which it should. Um, It'll hit the feed the night before the Switch comes out. So how are you feeling? Because I have a lot of thoughts, 
but I'm the one getting it. So I want to know how you are feeling at the moment. Like, what do you mean? Like, how do you feel about the Nintendo Switch, like, less than a week out? Um, I am, like, crazy excited to hear about it. That is, it's something that I hope lives up to the hype that I've set for it in my mind. Like, you know me, I go up and down on things. Think New shinies grab my attention and I move away. And the more I've heard specifically about Breath of the Wild, the more I've been excited about the Switch itself as a console because I've thought about what it can do later on. Because right now, the only game I want to play on it is Zelda. And that is a system seller for me. That, I mean, like I said, if this job comes through and I have the extra money, then yeah, I will be grabbing one to play Zelda. But for the most part, I'm just excited to see what people say about it. And I don't really care if people say that it's terrible. Because they said that the Wii U was terrible. And I know a lot of people who really like it because of the games that are on it. So I think that it's just going to be another Nintendo thing that we're going to deal with some silly stuff like we had talked about before. But I'm really excited to see what happens and what they're able to do with it down the road. The end of this year, I'm sure I will buy one or at least get one for Christmas, if nothing else. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I like I love Nintendo games. You know, I have picked up every Nintendo system. Even if I didn't get it on day one, eventually I got it because yeah. I love Nintendo games and I can't like bear to miss out on them. They're such a core part of like what I enjoy gaming. And I also I couldn't live Wii without Wii U is the only one I didn't get. Actually, you say that I'm like the Wii U is the only Nintendo system I've never bought. Yeah, and like I, I also couldn't get by without all the third party and indie titles that I love. I love playing games on Steam. I love stuff on PS4 mm-hmm. right now. Like. They all contribute to a whole. But again, gaming is my main hobby. Like, I I love it. I'm super passionate about it. But a key part of that is also Nintendo. So I I know I'm going to get it at some point. And for this one, I'm just I'm super excited because, again, I'm picking up on day one. I haven't done a whole lot of day one the last few years because money gets tight in your 20s. And I'm, I'm prepping for it to show up at my door on Friday. It'll be home by the time I get home from work, hopefully. And uh, can we talk for a second about I love that Nintendo releases stuff on Fridays now. Have you know like did you know this? I know you don't keep up with new releases the way I do, but no, Nintendo's been I doing didn't. this for about a year and a half, maybe 2 years now. It's since around the time of like the the new 3DS and around the time of the Wii U, like halfway through the Wii life Wii U life cycle, they started yeah. releasing their new games on Friday. I didn't really notice that. No, I I knew that the mobile games were released on Friday instead of Tuesdays. But I never really paid any attention to what about the the systems, games, you thought that. No, I had no clue. So traditionally, new games and new movies would always come out at retail on Tuesdays because Tuesday is historically the day that is the worst for retail business. So mm-hmm. people would release new stuff to get people into the store. So it was kind of a good deal between publishers and retailers. And that's how it was in brick and mortar stores. But we are moving more and more away from brick and mortar. I mean, I'm all digital these days. Like, I don't pick up physical copies of games. And Mm -hmm. Nintendo finally caught on to, like, why are we doing this? Let's release it at a time where people can actually enjoy it. So all of these working people who, you know, you can pick it up on Tuesday, but then you still have to get through your work week before you can get to the weekend. And these days, it's just like it comes out on Friday and you get to play it on Friday night and then 
all weekend and enjoy your brand new game or in this case your brand new console and i just think it's so cool that that makes a yes i never thought about it but yeah it makes a whole lot of sense because i know me and a lot of other people probably a lot of you listeners out there have either called in sick or taken off of work when a new expansion or game came out that you were really wanting to play goodness gracious knows the number of times that i have skipped school skipped classes stayed up all night for a world of warcraft expansion or something along those lines and it's you know because it came out on a Tuesday night. And so of course I'm going to spend Wednesday, Thursday and Friday pushing through it. It's like that week is gone for me because it's not the weekend. So that's awesome. I never even thought about that. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's funny cuz I say I'm all digital, but actually I've picked up exactly one physical game for like all of my last 3 or 4 consoles and then everything else is digital. That and, was Uncharted, right? Well, the new Uncharted game? It has been a different reason for every single console, and I, I don't even remember them all. Uncharted was the one for PS4. It is the only physical game that I own for PS4. Um, I think the ones before that were like PS3. I had gotten a bundle or something okay. like that, so yeah. it came with it. Um, for the 3DS, I don't know why I did, but I have Fire Emblem Awakening is my one physical game. Hmm. And for the Switch, I have Zelda coming on day one, because and that's a physical cartridge because oh, okay. Nintendo did not announce any information about the eShop until like two days ago. Like, really? Yeah, they didn't release any information about what they were going to do for online support. So I was waiting and waiting and waiting for that. And then I realized that they haven't announced it. What if there's no eShop on day one and I want to play Zelda? So, yeah, I ordered Zelda. It is coming on day one. And then after like a day or two after I ordered that, they announced that there's a day one patch that puts the eShop onto the switch. So it's like, OK, whatever. I'll, that'll be my one game. I'm going to put it in the system and I am never going to take that game out of the system and I'm going to buy everything else digitally. That makes sense. Yeah, I was wondering about that when you said that I was like, wait a second. I'm pretty sure you're going to have a cartridge for this because that's the voice I think in, by the way. Nice. <laughs> um, And then the only thing that I'm really worried about for the switch is a bunch of press are saying that the left Joy-Con has sync issues sometimes, and it sounds like it's a spotty issue, and it sounds like some people have it, some people haven't experienced it, some people just don't have a good setup, and maybe it's related to your setup. But, I mean, hey, we will find out on Friday whether it's a widespread issue or not. Yeah. And I hope it's not. I hope it's a non-issue for me. Yeah, and like like we've said before, I know you and I have talked in passing about this, that hopefully with them doing a day one firmware patch, that it's an easy fix for them, that they're aware of it and that they're just going to put it out there, fix it, and uh, make sure that nobody experiences that. That's what we've got our fingers crossed for, at least. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's an easy fix. So for me, the Switch should show up. On Friday, it should be at my door when I get home from work with Zelda. And then I plan on picking up Bomberman just so I have a day one game to play with my daughter and my son. And then I'm probably going to pick up some other stuff on the eShop. I don't know exactly what yet. Um, and my brother actually suggested that maybe we go half and half uh, paying for one two switch just so we can try it without paying $50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's. But that's about what that game would be worth. Well, actually, I see it could be being worth 15 bucks. Like, even 25 bucks is pushing it for that. So, I mean, I see it either way on that one. Yeah, I'm not but sure. But you're already buying a lot for the Switch. I mean, you're buying 
literally everything that's coming out for this thing, right? Uh, not quite everything, but I am trying to pick up most of my accessories on day one so that I never have to reinvest in accessories because the last like two generations of Nintendo console have taught me how much of a pain that is to do mm -hmm. over time. Like suddenly you get a game and you go, oh, I wish I had two more of this controller or I had yep. another nunchuck or I had another configuration or the Wiimote Plus or it's like, I'm just, I'm so sick of that with Nintendo. So I'm trying yeah. to circumvent it by picking up everything I could possibly want on day one. And then after that, I can just buy games. And then, I mean, you'll have to get if they do something like a Wiimote Plus, because that wasn't an, an original peripheral, but you'll be able to get that later pretty oh, easily Oh, no, don't, anyway. even, don't even imply they're going to do a Joy-Con Plus, please. Oh, come no. on, you know they're going to. They're Nintendo. This is what they do. <sighs> okay, I can't They'll think about that right now. They'll have a Joy-Con Plus. Yeah, think, think about it. Uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about, because when I had my Wii, the, the original one, my wife and I got married, and we brought the Wii with us on our honeymoon, because we absolutely love playing mario kart together but we didn't realize you know and we we kind of had a little bit on our minds you know getting married and all and we forgot to bring the nunchucks with us and we don't play with the steering wheels both of us like to use the uh, nunchuck setup and we had to go to the store on our honeymoon and buy two nintendo wii nunchucks to go with it so that we could play mario kart on our honeymoon in our cabin like that's nerdy you guys like like, that is true nerddom and geekdom right there is when you leave your honeymoon cabin to buy Nintendo accessories. With that, it's probably time for our Geeky Offer of the Week, which you have this week, right? I do. And this week, you guys, this is the Geeky by BJ and Nintendo Switch Offer of the Week. You know, I have audiobooks, you guys. They're on Audible. Did you know that? Well, now you do. I have three audiobooks on Audible called Birthright. Lineage and Legacy. They are a trilogy of books called the Technomage Archive. You can get them for free by looking up my name, BJ Keaton, K-E-E-T-O-N, and go when you go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast you will get my awesome audiobooks and you'll be contributing on buying me a Nintendo Switch. Apparently, BJ is a radio announcer. Suddenly, um, with that, it's, I was it's a radio. Time I was a DJ when I was. That was my. That, I dropped out of college one semester, and I was a DJ on Saturday nights for that. And, and Jennifer, every time I tell her that, she's like, "You had a radio show called BJ and the Kids on the Square," and I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Who are you?" But yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't even know what to think of that, but it's time for Wiki yeah, Geek right? now, and it's where we share what we've been geeking out about <laughs> this week. What do you have for Weekly Geekery? Not in your radio voice. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've made myself tickled now. Um, I did finish Paper and Fire. Finally, you guys can hear me stop talking about it because it is super awesome. Uh, Paper and Fire by Rachel Kane. The only thing that I don't like about Paper and Fire is that I can't read the sequel to it until June or July when the third book in the trilogy comes out. So that's the only bad thing in my mind about it is that I can't finish the series. But I loved where it went. I love all of the stuff that happened. And I got to see things that I didn't think I was going to get to see until book three. So that made me really happy about it it that's yeah, a really um, good book it's super good like i'm and i didn't actually realize going in with this trilogy that it's actually young adult 
and because I didn't expect that from you. And then I'm like, oh, cool, this is young adult stuff. And uh, so I was really cool. That I thought it was really neat that you liked that as much. Well, I like good young adult novels. I don't like trash ones. Okay, that's fair, because this one is super good. You guys will all like it. So you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek2geekcast and listen to Paper and Fire as well. Um, no, but seriously, I started playing Darksiders 2 because I want Breath of the Wild so badly. And I know that may sound a little bit weird, but actually my audiobook narrator, CB Drogi, and one of my buddies, Bobby, here in town, and I were talking about it, and they referred to Darksiders as Zelda for adults. Since I'd picked them up on Humble Bundle years ago, I had the HD remasters in my Steam library already. So I installed and started playing Darksiders 2 because it installed first. And it's really fun. Like, it plays like God of War meets Legend of Zelda. Like, I'm having a really good time in the very, very small amount of spare time I've had this week. I've had a whole lot of of fun playing it because you still push stuff around and kill stuff and it's it's neat finally got around to play uh, to reading saga that was what i started reading after paper and fire because all amazon has all of the saga by brian k vaughn graphic novels for five dollars a piece it's awesome. Like Saga is perfect for me. Like this this I don't even know how to describe this. It's like a science fiction fantasy world where there there's intergalactic travel and yet there's magic and you know this is what I wrote my books about. So I'm kind of like crazy about this topic and but but it's also like incredibly violent and adult with nudity and and just ridiculous amounts of like just vulgarity but it's not vulgar that's the thing it's weird like you would see this these pictures and scenes out of context and be like why would he put that in there? And then you look at it, it's like, oh, that's character development. I see what you did there. And like, this story is so good. Like, I've been reading one trade a day since I started this. Like, I've, I stayed up late last night to make sure I finished the third trade. And tonight I'm buying the fourth one and going to read it just because it's so good. I can see why you love it. I thought it was okay. Like, yeah. I didn't I, think I, it was I, great. I thought it was okay. It's, I mean, it's fine. I picked up, I think, the first three volumes or trades or whatever you want to call it. Okay. And yeah. I read them all within, I think I just did it in one day. I just had time right. one day and I read three volumes of it, which was like, what, 30 issues or something? And uh, Yeah, ish. Yeah, something ish around there. And it was, it was fine. You know, it's magic and sci-fi. You know, everyone always wants to do magic and sci-fi together and... That's that's what it was. It was okay. But I love the characters. Like, I love the feel of it. That th There's something about this one, about Saga, that the the just the dialogue is so well written and that it's clever and makes me giggle. And I like books that are written being clever. That someone, someone chose those words, that Brian K. Vaughn chose those words specifically for... For those words, not just to say something and move the story along. It's like they chose these. It's like poetry. Every word matters. And I feel like writers like Brian K. Vaughn choose every word deliberately. And I think that's why I like this so much is because I can see his hand crafting those words as opposed to just putting them on the page. That, like that is sounds fair enough. really pretentious. I know. Um, I know a lot of people love Zaga. So and I'm not surprised that you're one of them. I just I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's like as amazing as most people. Yeah. And I get that. I totally see why you don't like it as much. Like I, I do. I really do. 
And then, you know what I've been really nerding out about? Like, I didn't, I never thought this was a thing. Um, erasable ink pens from Japan. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, I read a lot about erasable ink pens this week. Like, it's crazy. Like, there's a lot of them. And, like, my friend, I told you about in December that he got me this uh, this journal, this journaling planner that yeah. I've been using. Yeah. He also got me an erasable pen. And it's really nice to have an erasable pen in your planner because things change. So you don't actually have to pencil things in. You use a black pen or blue pen or whatever, and it's nice. And you can erase it because it uses friction to do it. And... I needed more colors because I have so much going on right now that having all black text on black uh, in black grid has made me actually not be able to read some of my notes as well. So I started doing some research about these pens, and it turns out did you that get a the, pink glitter pen? No, I didn't. Oh, I did not get a pink glitter pen. I know. I I just got a normal black my one. My daughter but it has would be so disappointed with you. I couldn't find a pink glitter pen for this one, though. I mean, to be completely fair, if I had seen a pink glitter pen like this, I probably would have bought it because, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. Okay. Like, I'd be like, pink glitter pen that erases? Oh, yeah. And But apparently the Japanese make these so much better than the Americans. Like, people love pens way more than I knew was ever possible and i'm super glad that they do because i bought you know you remember when you're a kid and you buy you get those ink pens that have like four different colors that are clickers yeah well apparently the japanese that there are japanese versions of these erasable ink pens like that that are like super high quality and the american ones are really terrible like they give us the shoddy ones like the ink doesn't come out right they write really poorly and and they're scratchy and the japanese ones are like super high quality and write better and the ink is darker and higher quality like it's just crazy so i bought a japanese erasable ink pen after reading a lot of erasable ink pen blogs over this week like sentences i never thought i was gonna say but i'm really glad that i did it's like this erasable ink pen from Japan has made my life better. And it's like, man, I'm an adult. Well, I, it's like we always want to find people who are geeking out about stuff. And yeah. it's always fun to find those little like niche things that people have a huge passion about, even if you're not the one who has it. So I yeah, know there are people awesome. who are like independence you know that's like their thing and i'm glad that they write about it on the internet because they enhanced my work life by doing this and i just get i don't know why i'm happy about talking about it right now but i'm like i'm smiling and looking at my pen what is wrong with me void i'm smiling and looking over at this pen i have no idea i think i'm having a nervous breakdown <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding but i got you dude no and uh as of this recording i put up a new a new short story collection on amazon um it will be up on amazon and other retailers by the time you guys listen to this so i'm plugging my books just hardcore tonight buy me a switch so this one is called expiration date and other stories it's a collection of short stories that i've worked on over the years and uh that i really like like some of these i really like like uh, for different reasons, it's all sorts of different genres. The one of them, the expiration date itself, the one the, that's the title story is a post-apocalyptic. Uh, my take on a post-apocalyptic story and uh, just other things where I have a, a little romance story, it's like puppy love, and I've got a demon like kidnapping, and you know some gangster stories and organized crime stuff. Just a whole slew of different things. But if you know me and you like my writing style, you may like something in there. So pick it up and buy me a switch. But it's brand new, so yeah, I really would appreciate you looking at it and dropping a review on Amazon. Yes, reviews always help. 
Oh, we haven't asked it a really long time. You guys can review the podcast too, by the way. Yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I see everyone you do, and it makes me super happy. And for some reason, you have to like go into iTunes and search for us as if you've never heard of us, even if we're in your podcast feed. But if you do that, you can leave a review, and it makes us super happy. Um, okay, for me, my weekly geekery, I just finished like minutes before we started recording. I finished Empire's End by chuck wendig you know this book right yes i actually have it on audible now that i just haven't been able to sit down and listen to them the yeah, last so two in the series i did my typical thing when i really want to get through a book i was reading it at night and then i was listening to it during the day and in the car and when right. i'm you know making lunch for my kids and making dinner like all that kind of stuff i was splitting my time between the two and i just finished it and it is fine like it i feel yeah, the same okay. way about it that i felt about the rest of this aftermath trilogy it's really good contextual information for Star Wars, which is why I'm glad I like read it once. But right. I just don't like the writing of this particular author of Chuck Wendig. Like, it just doesn't click with me. Even by the end of the trilogy, like I just finished this book and I've been with these characters through three books. I don't care about any of the main characters. Like maybe there's one, there's one that I kind of care about and that's out of a crew of like six people or seven, something like that. Like they yeah. just, I don't know. I, I failed to make a connection with the characters, but it's really cool to get the context and they do interact with some of the main characters from the series. Like Han is in this one, Leia is in this mm. one. So is Mon Mothma and um, Empire's End, I mean, I won't spoil it, but it's obvious from if you've read the other ones, like Empire's End is all about the Battle of Jakku and mm -hmm. the lead up to it politically and from like a military standpoint and then how the Battle of Jakku happens and then the immediate fallout of it. So it's it's really about the end of the Empire, you know, and then it kind of sets up some of the stuff for the First Order, which obviously will come into effect when you get to Episode 7. Oh, cool. Like, that's actually the interesting part of it for me is to see how it leads into The Force Awakens more than how the Empire ended. Like, I want to see more about that interim period that we don't know as much about right now. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see what you think once you do read it, but yeah. I, didn't you kind of feel the same way as me? Like, the main characters, the new characters that this author created just didn't really do it? Yeah, I didn't really care that much about them. I like Ray Sloan. And, like, she's really cool, but I liked her because I knew about her from A New Dawn. And it, any of the ones that Wendig came up with, I mean, they're fine. What Mr. Bones, I like him. He's fun. He's a, you know, he's he's a battle droid that wants to kill people and kind of, like, he's yeah, awesome. He's a murder um, bot. Other, yeah, murder bot. That's a good one. And, like, I like other Chuck Wendig stuff, though. Like, his solo work that's not star wars is great like i really like him on twitter i love his blog at terribleminds.com i really really like his like blackbirds trilogy i think it's called his atlanta burns books that start with shotgun gravy is really good it's just this particular take on star wars is it's not as good. It's not his best writing. And I don't know if it's because he's being constrained by Disney at this point and they're not letting him be as creative as he can be and letting him word things the way that he would be better at. No, but it, it can't I, be that because there are authors that are writing in the Star Wars universe right now that are putting out fantastic novels. Like, I, yeah. I shouldn't just leave you guys with this impression of this book because 
if you want to read a good Star Wars novel in the new canon, go check out either of the two books by Claudia Gray. They are both fantastic. Lost Stars is probably my favorite Star Wars book ever, and that was one of the first ones in the new canon. That was Claudia Gray. And then Bloodlines is all about Leia and her, like, kind of her relationship to Vader. It's kind of how she processes being the daughter of Vader and, like, what it means politically after, like, all of the the big fallout from, you know, the Empire and the New Republic has happened and then you're a bunch of years down the line, like, what that looks like and how Leia is in the political landscape and kind of why she decides to start the Resistance and kind of break away from the New Republic it's really, really good. So yeah, check out Lost Stars or check out Bloodlines. Both of those are by Claudia Gray. They are fantastic and they are in the new canon. So I don't accept that as a premise for why his writing just isn't clicking. Well, it's just a terrible story then and go read Blackbirds. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> I, I checked out a bunch of other stuff this week. I tried okay. the Ghost Recon's Wildlands beta and it was okay. It was fine. Yeah, okay. It was, um, I played it and I felt like, hey, I've played this game a million times, you know? That's exactly what I was about to ask. Was it a Ghost Recon game? It felt like, you know, it's somewhere between like a Ghost Recon and a Rainbow Six and something like a Far Cry, you know, kind of like open worldy. And yeah, you could play with okay. friends, but any game you can play with friends becomes fun. Like the core gameplay here, it feels like games I played before, you know? It's like The yeah. Division or like a past Ghost Recon game. Like, there's nothing all that interesting to write home about. It just, it's fine. Like, if you want that game that it looks like from the outside, it is exactly what you are going to get, and you will be happy with it. But I'm not in the mood for that kind of game at the moment. That's totally fair. And then I checked out the Mabim Bam TV show, which is My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And that is, like, one of the funniest podcasts on the internet it's it's a comedy advice show by three brothers, and I've talked about them before. They're the same guys from the Adventure Zone. They just okay. launched a TV show on CISO, which is one of those like small streaming networks. It came out last oh. week. So the TV show is it's like a direct extension of their podcast. So if you like their podcast, you should probably check out the TV show. I got a free trial on CISO, and I watched all of the episodes before my free trial was up, and then I just canceled it. <laughs> but even if you go and you buy a month, it's only like $3. It's not like the cost of Netflix or Hulu. It's like super cheap. I saw an ad for CISO today actually with Harmon Quest. That's what it was that I'd seen the uh, ad for CISO. I knew I'd seen it at some point. So Harmon that's Quest what it is was. pretty good. I, I watched that, I think, at a friend's or something. I don't know. I, I didn't have a subscription at the time, but Harmon Quest was really funny. I liked that show a lot. But moving on, I did lockpicking this week, and it was super fun. Like, like real lockpicking, like you're picking locks. Yeah, yeah. My brother got huh. a lockpick set, and he's been playing with That's it awesome. for a couple weeks, and he came over. Um, so he brought me, like, three or four different locks and taught me a bunch of different ways to pick them. So I picked three of them successfully, and then there's a fourth one that he hasn't been able to do yet, and he's like, here, you can try this, and it was really hard. But it was huh. super fun to do, like, actual physical lock picking. Are you going to, like, turn into, like, a burglar and like cat burglar and you're gonna be like an art thief uh no <laughs> that's Aww. not my plan but hey i did learn that master locks are really bad and you can really? pick those oh yeah you know after one night i can pick a master lock in like i don't know 10 15 seconds like it's holy cow it there's nothing to it like do not buy that brand of lock i mean i know they're everywhere don't do it those are super <laughs> easy to pick it's i mean 
like an amateur, complete amateur, you know, you give me a couple hours and I can pick it in 15 seconds. Like that's not securing your property. Yeah, that is not at all. That's not good. No. Um, I picked up a new game called Talk, which is from the Name of the Wind series, the King Killer Chronicles. I don't know yeah. if you remember it. Okay. So they actually made that game as, I don't know if it was a Kickstarter or a fundraiser or something, but it's out there on Patrick Rothfuss's website now. So I bought it and I've been playing it with my daughter. It's kind of like an advanced version of Tic-Tac-Toe, but a lot more interesting than that makes it sound. That's really awesome. Like, I did not know that they had made that. I'm going to have to go check that out. That makes me so happy. Yeah, it's kind of like you're trying to put your pieces down to make a path across the board, but you can set your pieces up on the side and make a wall and block people, and then you can put your pieces on top of other pieces, so you can make stacks that increase in height, and then you can, like, pick up those stacks and drop pieces as you move them around. So the basics of it like you start playing and you're like this is kind of like tic-tac-toe and then you suddenly start to see oh there's a lot of depth here even though it like it's one of those huh. games that's super simple to learn but could take like a lifetime to master wow yeah and then do you remember when i talked about maybe digitizing my dvds oh man those pictures you sent me there were so many dvds I digitized our whole collection and i i actually found out that i had bought so many of these like in hd in a format that mm. i could download already that i didn't have as many to digitize as i thought like i really? took all of our dvds off the shelf and i realized that there's only like maybe a fourth of them that i hadn't already rebought and had ready to go on my server so yeah i i grabbed all of the ones that i didn't have already they're all on the server and we're just gonna like donate all the dvds we thought about selling yeah. them but they're like they're not worth anything now it's dvds they're not even blu-rays i can get about a dollar a dvd at a yard sale around here and so i've made probably about over the last year maybe seven or eight hundred dollars at yard sales just on the dvds i've had yeah i can't get that much for them around here so i think they're just gonna get donated so i don't have to throw them out yeah makes sense because they take up a lot of space they really do i'm so glad to get those out of my house so yeah i, I was doing a bunch this week i i had to do some professional development at work and they had us take a couple personality tests okay. and i realized that i never talked about how much i love personality tests have i ever told I do you too. this no but i i love them like jennifer and i talk about it all the time like that's something that whenever there's something that comes up i am all about looking into it so i'm a psych minor and when you're a psych minor there's like one class you have to take and then after that you get freedom they're like yes whatever take x amount of 300 and 400 level classes that's all we care about if you're a psych major you, you got to do like their whole program in order it's dumb unless you it's not dumb i mean if you want to be a psych major <laughs> then you actually have to go and become like a master's student and then like a phd and there's a whole thing that i didn't want to do that so i chose a different career path but i've always yeah. loved psychology like i geek out about it i'm passionate about psychology so that's the minor that i chose when i was in college and I just got to pick and choose whatever classes I wanted. And I took every single one of like the developmental and, and personality classes because I just find them so fascinating. So mm -hmm. I've taken so many of these before, but this week reminded me how much I love them. So like I, I already knew my Myers-Briggs type, which what is it? Mine? Yeah. Oh, I'm an INTJ. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. You Google that. It'll it'll pop up, guys. You yep. can find out all about me and <laughs> why I am the way I am. And yeah, and I've I know I I love the Myers Briggs stuff because mine ended up changing over time that I used to be an INFJ a bunch and really lined up and now it's ENFP completely. That I've completely and totally changed personalities over the last five years. Yeah, I could see that sounds like a much better fit for you. That newer mm-hmm. one that you did. Mine has not changed ever. So that's I'm very consistent. The Myers Briggs is a really, really cool test though. I mean it is compared to so many others, because like when I took the classes for it, we would it was interesting because you would take a personality test and then you would bring the results back you would talk about the results and like mm-hmm. how the scale is supposed to work and then you would immediately turn around and the teacher would tell you why it was a horrible personality test and all of the problems with it and so uh. as you worked your way through the class over the course of the year they got better and better so it was kind of like tracing personality tests through time and that's really cool yeah only when you got towards the end did you do the myers-briggs because it's the one that's like one of the best and it's the most consistent and it's still held up as a really really good personality test yeah so i did that this week again and i'm the same thing and then i also did a strengths finder which was interesting yeah. i had never done that one before i've done things with strengths finder like i bailed on that day of professional development a few years ago when we did it and so i never got mine but i've heard a lot of the presentations and one of my friends is a certified strengths finder or facilitator or whatever they're called and so i know a bunch about it but i never actually did it myself and that makes me really sad yeah, I really, really liked that one. It was interesting. And like, I yeah, looked at is. the results and I'm like, yep, that's me. You you nailed it. You got me. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I just, I like other things like this too. And I realized that this was probably a good answer. Like a bunch of podcasts ago when someone asked us about like the fringes on what we like and just this whole area of like development and like personality psychology and like, I, guys, I, I get into things like Zodiac signs, like they're not at all accurate but i love them anyway um and like compatibility questions and like compatibility quizzes and like how different personalities click together and work together and have relationships together and like all of those kind of things i just i geek out about so i thought that i should bring it to your attention while it was still top of mind see and i'm the same way i I don't particularly like the zodiac sign thing like i am not i'm not even interested in it because i find it so hokey but the uh I like, did you ever do the the love languages? Do you yeah. ever hear about the five love languages? Yep, that one's like, a really good one. It's really good, and it is scarily accurate. Like, it has, I, I listened to a podcast that Gretchen Rubin did on the Happier podcast, and when she and her sister were talking about this, it it, it, it made my marriage better. Because my love language tends to be someone verbally telling me that I am I'm good. That if you affirm to something to me verbally, I can believe it and I good and I'm go I'm good and I go down the road. And that's how I get validation and I'm shown love. And Jennifer is a touch person that you know, you hold her hand, you rub her back, uh, you you cuddle up, that kind of thing is her love language. And so listening to this podcast, out they were like, You don't you it doesn't matter if you speak your love language, you have to learn how to speak the other person's. And just having that alone, it was like, so I would make 
sure that when we were in the house that I would like stroke her arm or her hair and like just just put my hand on her back or something like that. And it brought us closer together. Just the one of these tests did make my marriage better by by looking at it and seeing how to put it into action in my life. And someone breaking it over like, yeah, it doesn't matter what yours is. The uh, You need to make sure that you're, you know, doing it for the other person. I'm like holding somebody's hand, holding my wife's hand has made my marriage better. And it's like I love personality tests and stuff like that yeah that's that's one where if you are in uh like long-term relationship you've really you should take that one because it's super yes. insightful and you might take it and be like oh yeah i knew this already which is fine yep but you, things might come up and you go oh i should start paying attention to that because it can make a huge difference and mm-hmm. my wife and i got an inside joke out of it because the lowest one for both of us was gift giving and gift receiving yes. So every once in a while, we're just like, if someone, if the other person's upset or having a bad day or whatever, it's like, would you like a little gift? Because <laughs> we know that that's not at all either of our love languages. So it's just funny. And it almost always gets the other person to laugh, which is super fun. I think fun. my lowest was service. Like one of those things, like just doing something for me. While I appreciate it, that's not something. And Jennifer's the same way. It's like, it's not one of those things. It just makes our lives better. and know that somebody loves me. Like if you go and you clean the dishes for me, you do the dishes. I'm like, cool, thanks for doing that. I don't have to do it now. And I just go about my business. I don't take that kind of thing so personally. So that is been something that we've both learned from it and to interact in our marriage it's like we know that's not how the other person is going to that we're going to be able to communicate with them by doing that yeah it's really cool so anyway if you guys want to tell me about a personality test i might not have heard of please send it my way because i will gladly take it i love that stuff um and make sure you tag me because i'm super interested in it. not like not like void is but i i want to know about these too yeah do it seriously we'll always make the subreddit thread too that's maybe a good place to catch them um <laughs> yeah should i even talk about this last thing um yeah if you want to we should be able to uh, guys i i had to buy a car i and Aww. i don't think anybody ever wants to buy a car it's that you have to buy a, i mean unless you're rich i'm not rich like if you're you know if you have the money to go buy a tesla because you want to for fun that's one thing but like my wife's <laughs> car died it's the car that she's had since she was like 15 learning to drive like we drive our cars into the ground and we knew this was coming so we had something happen to her car and i looked at it and looked at the blue book value of the car and the repair which wouldn't have been a huge repair at all. It was it was a really minor thing, but it would have cost more than the blue book value of the car. So we had to go get a car. And luckily we had done the research like nine months ago because we knew this day was coming in the next year or two. And um, so we had it narrowed down to a bunch of models and we went and we looked and we ended up with an electric car. So I have an electric car now and it's super cool. I really like it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to go on and on about a new car, but like it's not new, new. It's like we... I buy cars when they come off of lease from people because i'm not Mm. gonna buy a new car i'm not made of money right you know you buy a used car that's in really good condition and that's exactly what we did and now we have an electric car and it's sweet and i kind of love it and now i'm kind of jealous of my wife's car i'm i'm really excited for you to have an electric car because i looked at the the one that you bought that whenever jennifer was having to get a new car and the reason that we ended up going with someone else or a different car not with someone else with something else um was because of the range on it. I know when we looked at it a few years ago, it was five years ago, they had a an 80-mile range, and that wouldn't have got either of us to work and home on our commutes. So it was completely out no matter what, and we ended up going with a Mazda 2 instead. But I love 
the idea of that car. Like now that I'm around town and we live in the same town that we work, it's it would be so much better. Yeah, and we definitely talked about all that kind of stuff before we got it, like, you know, the range consideration, and it just, it fits really well. Like, if it was your only car, it would be different, but, I mean, I have, you know, a normal just gas car, it has really good mileage, no big deal, so for our second car, which would be my wife's primary car, to be an electric one, it made a ton of sense, you know, with the errands she's doing and the commute she has and, like, where she's going around the area, like, she doesn't usually go far, and if she does have a day where she has to go a really long range and she doesn't have time to charge it... Like, we can just switch cars for the day because both of us like car both cars now, which wasn't yeah. true before with her old car. Yep, that's exactly what happened with us. I know that feeling because Jennifer wore hers into the ground and I hated driving that car. And now it's just like, yeah, we'll drive whichever car we need to for the day. Yeah, it's it's super cool. It's so, nice. It is. Um, And I'm actually, I think one of my weekend projects this weekend is going to be installing a level two charger in our garage so that it can charge yeah. in like one third of the time. And I think that'll be oh, a, yeah, do that. a make a big difference too. How long does it take to charge now? Um, So right now, if you ran it to zero battery, which we don't do, but I mean, if you ran it to zero battery right. and you do the level one charger, this is one that you can like... It comes with the car. It's the one that you plug into an outlet in your house. Like any outlet around you, look around in the room you're in, that's the yep. kind of outlet this goes into. It takes between 10 and 12 hours to get a full charge. Oh, okay. Um, the level two charger, when you step up to that, it's between three and four hours. And again, this is from zero battery. Like you're not usually running it down to zero battery. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's another thing that you're not even allowed to s- install in your house. You, <laughs> you can only get it at like the commercial grade charging stations that are called quick charging stations, and it takes a completely different plug. Like there's two different plugs on the front of the car to charge it. Um, level one and level two charger use the same plug. Then the one for the quick charger is just massive, and that thing will take you from zero to full in like 30 minutes. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be bad for your battery if that's the only thing you do, which they're like, yeah. don't make it Makes a habit. Sense. But if you're out and about and you need a quick charge, it's it's really convenient, I suppose. I don't actually know if there are any quick charge places in my town. Yeah, I mean, that's another consideration. It depends where you live and what your commute is like and how much your area supports electric cars and all of that yeah. kind of thing. Like, we talked about all of it. But yeah, we, we have an electric car and so far so good. And I, I really like it. I mean, we just got our first bike lane here. Like, progress. Yeah, you live in a different like, place than I do. Like, it's so different. Like, I was so proud to see it, but I'm so mad we don't have bike lanes. Like, a lot of us are complaining about that in town now. So, within the next few years, we'll get some. But electric car stuff, just not in this area. It's also so much further out that we drive so much more in the south that everything's so spread out that a lot of people can't do an electric car just because of range, too. Yeah, I mean, it. I could have Urban is that much are... easier, yeah. Yes, sometimes. I mean... You know, it depends which way you go from where I live. Some ways are long distances between things, and then other ways you go into the city. So, true. Yep, it's suburb. It's suburban life. That's the way it works. Cool. And with that, I think that's about it for this week. Um, you I can write to so. us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have our longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And I promise. Unless something catastrophic goes wrong, next week will be about the Nintendo Switch and some initial impressions of the games, too. 
which I'm really excited about because I'm going to be asking a whole lot of questions. And uh, so if you want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and tell us what shows you want updates about. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I blog and podcast at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys. Buy me a switch. Buy me a switch. Buy me a switch.